now playing the 1972 documentary Future Shock. It's a bleak look into the future based on the bewildering barrage of new technologies and how they change society. It's also narrated by the one and only Orson Welles. of our own technological strength. We are the victims of shock, of future shock. Welcome to Realitiki, and I am Melissa Merlot. And yes, today we're talking about future shock. We're discussing the 1972 documentary, but it was based on a 1970 book by Alvin Toffler, who was a futurist, a writer, a businessman, and he was very accurate in predicting where society would go based on technology. Since Future Shock is a 1972 documentary about what the future will bring, we don't really have to discuss our current timeline and all its craziness. Which, that's a bonus, right? Because I'm certainly sick of everything that's going on right now. But we'll take a look back and see, did they predict what would be happening all the way here in the year 2022? Way back in 1972? And the book that it's based on was written in 1970, so that's even farther away. But they got a lot of things right. Let's listen to a clip from an interview of Alvin Toffler. Again, that's the author of the book, Future Shock. A book, 1984, Orwell warned about a society in which you turn on the TV and Big Brother has a camera watching you. And, of course, what we've done is flip that around. We've turned it backward. Yes, Big Brother's watching us. But at the same time, we are watching Big Brother. The, the Velvet Revolution of the Czechs, uh, uh, when they overthrew the communist government. Uh, uh, also, the students used video cameras uh, and then set up television sets on street corners to play the, the results. And Big Brother ain't going to know what hit him. Uh, until there are literally millions and millions and millions of camcorders in the hands of poor people, in the hands of minorities, in the hands of terrorists. And I believe that this is not something that our present political structures are going to be able to accommodate without phenomenal change. Wow, he got that right, didn't he? Now everyone has a camera. Everyone's phone has a video recorder on it, so we're all filming everything now. So you would think with cameras everywhere, people would be more honest. 
especially the news, but no, I don't think that's the case. But they will promote censorship like crazy now. That's why the propaganda pretty much equals censorship with some kind of heroic action, which is insane because as far as history goes, the people who are trying to censor everything have never been on the good side of it. But the propaganda is crazy. Doesn't really predict too much of that in Future Shock, but Alvin Toffler did come up with a term called information overload, which we are absolutely in a state of information overload right now. And you don't know what to believe. And it's okay to be skeptical. It's okay not to believe everything your chosen news site says. I mean, people rag on Fox News a lot, but you also don't have to take CNN as gospel. It's good to do a little research. That's the other thing I don't like, is how do your own research somehow became demonized. It's always good to investigate for more information on any topic. And yeah, with the censorship now, it is pretty difficult. Google is a very controlled search site. DuckDuckGo is a little better. Brave is even better, but there's other ways to get information too. Read the news from other countries just to get an idea of what kind of information they're getting. For example, a news story out of the Ukraine because of the current Russia-Ukraine situation called The Ghosts of Kiev. You should look it up. It was about a rebel Ukraine fighter jet that took down six Russian fighter jets, which, yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's a great story. And that is a story that gives people a lot of hope, but it wasn't real. The images of it were doctored photographs, and they even used video footage from a combat simulator video game to prove it was real. And this is out. It's on the internet. It's even on Google. That's what happened. And people are defending it like, well, if it gives the people of Ukraine hope, then is it really that bad? That brings up a good question. If propaganda is used for good, is it really bad then? It might not be. It's still propaganda. It's still a news story. I mean, it's fake news. It is fake news. And that's the whole, you know, enemy of everything now is fake news. So if the fake news is promoting hope, is it good fake news then? Or is it still the bad fake news that we have to censor? Obviously, I'm someone who is against censorship in all forms. That's one of the reasons I like that there are cameras that we have all over the place and that we do have access to all this information and that we can do our own research. Those are all good things. It's good to be a critical thinker. It's good to be skeptical because we are in that information overload phase and we just gotta tread carefully and not believe everything at its word, which is really difficult to do, especially when you hear it from a trusted source. 
But at the same time, who can you trust nowadays? Sorry, that sounds really paranoid. But as far as news media sources, you know, it's just so-and-so heard it from so-and-so and then they ran a story about it. It feels like they're just kind of getting their information from whatever direction they want the narrative to go in rather than actual sources anymore. But that's just the media. Anyway, let's get back to what 1972 thought we would be dealing with in the future. And just for the record, I'm totally against war. And of course, I don't like Russia invading Ukraine. I don't like any invasions. I don't want anyone to die or get invaded. Before we get into Future Shock, let's do a drink recommendation for this episode. How about Palmasan Wines and Brandies? That's a perfect fit since Future Shock is narrated by Orson Welles, and he did promote those fine wines. And they are pretty good, but you don't have to take my word for it. I'm here at Paul Masson Chateau in California. Almost every night here there's a wine tasting party. One of the favorites is Paul Masson Chablis. It's light and crisp. It's delicious. The wine you drink the most should be the best. And they take special care with it here because they know Chablis is America's most popular wine. Parmesan Chablis. I recommend it. Parmesan will sell no wine before its time. I bet you thought I was going to play the drunk outtakes of Orson Welles doing that commercial. Well, I will, but I'll save them for the end of this episode. I really enjoy this documentary because of Orson Welles' narration, of course. But also, we played a lot of clips from it on the first podcast I was on called The Awkward Hour with Brian Staker. And that was a lot of fun. So what is Future Shock? Future Shock is a disco song by Curtis Mayfield. That was covered by Herbie Hancock. But for our documentary and from the Future Shock book, it is defined as too much change in too short a period of time. Wow, that could be summing up 2020 right there, I think. Let's listen to Mr. Wells elaborate on it.
one of the biggest things Future Shock got right is that everything is temporary here in the future. If something breaks, you don't get it repaired, you get a new one. I mean, sure, you probably get your car repaired, but a lot of times people just buy a whole new car instead. It talks a lot about how there's just constant change, and that includes people coming in and out of your life, things you can't really hold on to. It just makes it look like in the future there's no permanence about anything. And they kind of got that right. It also talks about how there's just an abundance of choice. Too many choices all the time about everything. And they also got that right. Sense of security, the feeling that some things at least stay the same. It's a feeling we need very much in this changing world. Every day we're bombarded by choices. We need to make instant decisions. We're in endless combat with our own environment, with all its pace and variety, its choice and overchoice. What do we buy? Where do we go? What should we think? The make, the model, the price, the pitchman's plea. Buy now. Keep up with the latest. Don't fall behind. The pre-cooked, pre-packaged, plastic-wrapped, instant society. We're faced with so many choices, so many decisions. We have to make them so quickly. None of us can escape the pressures. That's what Future Shock is all about. This documentary is so classic 70s. I love the music in it. It also talks about moving and how in the future people are going to constantly move away from where they grew up, from their friends, from their family. That there's always going to be a big change and people won't stay in the same place. Which I think that was probably pretty true until 2020. and Even even after 2020 with all the economy problems, a lot of people started moving again. Maybe moving back to family and friends and places that were just a bit cheaper. A lot of places sure got expensive. But you got to hear this next clip for the, the great moving on song. A plugged in, clipped on, modular architecture for society on the move. Some 36 million Americans strip their homes and move on, tearing apart communities, families, and individuals, creating future shock. This is the last time I'll move ever. Okay, that's enough of that 70s vibe music. They even talk about how people are so desperate to travel 
They'll just hang out in airports just to get the feel of traveling. That sounds so miserable. I hate being in an airport. Even when I'm going somewhere I want to go, I can't imagine just hanging out there for fun. And listen to this girl. I hang around airports just to like the feel of getting away. What? Girl, you are going to get trafficked. Just hanging out at airports to meet people, that's how you get trafficked. And of course, a documentary from the 70s is going to predict the hookup culture we have now. So do people. Long-term commitments are not expected. Involvements are compressed in time. Young people embrace new values in an atmosphere of instant intimacy. Everyone craves human warmth and closeness, especially today when relationships seem to be more and more temporary. What we're witnessing, of course, is the death of permanence. A new society is being created around us, built from the broken pieces of today. And those who people that society are going to live in a very different world. Obviously, things were a lot different when this was made back in 1972. Did you know women couldn't even have their name on a credit card until 1974? Yeah, WTF, right? They also brought up a new type of living. They did bring up group marriage. And they also brought up communal living, which I think we're kind of headed to with how crazy the housing market is, at least in America. Some places it's just insane if you want to buy a house. They're so expensive. But maybe if you buy a house with some friends or you're a couple, you buy a house with another couple, you start, you know, living together. Not necessarily in a commune, but you got to go in on it with other people just to make it affordable. So it kind of seems like that's the direction things are going in. Here's a clip from someone who lives in a communal housing situation and is very happy about it. several times, had a family, houses, it got to be a drag. I like it much better here. This is, a, for me, a great way to live, relating to people. It's a family. It's much, a much better way than what I've been into for the last 15 years. We might one day duplicate man, his form, his body, his actions and reactions carefully engineered for lifelike appearance. Let's talk about science. It does talk about DNA and DNA manipulation and how in the future we might be able to order our babies so we can fill out a little checklist of all the traits we want our children to have 
and they can just inject them somehow. It also talks about how cloning is a real possibility in the future, which I think it probably is. I mean, they announced cloning a sheep in like 96, so I'm sure they can clone humans by now. I think Barbara Streisand cloned her pet dog. She's rich. She can pay for it. It also talks about bioengineering. Being able to take pills that make you smart. Or wear a device that if you're feeling down, you can hit a little button and it'll give you a little shock. A little pick-me-up throughout the day. Which, that sounds terrifying, but... I guess it might cheer some people up. Who knows? Also says people will be smarter in the future. I don't think you need to worry about that, Mr. Wells. I think, if anything, we might be (laughs) de-evolving. I don't know if we're getting smarter. Maybe, hopefully, in some areas we are. In 1969... It was reported that a doctor, A. Nafek of the Soviet Academy of Science, had predicted that uh, the world would soon see a genetic equivalent of an arms race. That the world powers would soon develop genetic engineering capable of uh, increasing the output of geniuses. Criticized for such an outlandish and horrifying speculation. He replied merely that the advance of science is and ought to be unstoppable. Not everyone, of course, would agree with that statement. Think of the consequences. Genetics, computers, space, racing blindly ahead, causing the pressures of future shock to intensify. Scientists themselves are concerned. Psychobiologist James McGaw. It's not now possible to produce the same kind of changes in memory that we've uh, in humans that we've produced in animals. Uh, such experiments are probably just around the corner. And whether the procedures are the same or different from the ones that we use, it seems clear that within a very few years, it will be possible to change memory processes in human beings through the use of drugs and electrical stimulation. Let's look forward to a period, a number of years from now, perhaps when uh, a person gets up in the morning and has to take the, the drug to bring his IQ up to the appropriate level, slap on the battery pack so that whenever he gets depressed, he can uh, press a lever and turn on electrical stimulation, which uh, delights him a little bit, and find then that it's not just that he can do these things, which is... Uh, enough to uh, understand, but that he does do these things. Not that it's possible to gain control over intellectual functioning, but in fact that we have. And this person then, perhaps an entire society, will be seen as a victim of the success of biotechnology. Uh, That is to say that he no longer can exercise the choice to take the drug or put on the battery pack or whatever, But he's lost that choice simply because of the subtle and pervasive increase in the tendency to use it. Some parts of Future Shock sound like something that we would hear on the news today. The setting for a quiet revolution. 
part of a larger revolution affecting all our institutions, religion, education. The factory-like school is under attack. Education is in the midst of revolution, and like most institutions, the result is change. As public institutions change, so do accepted standards. Civil servants, teachers, and even policemen on strike. Another shockwave to absorb the foundations of the old society crumble. Women strive for equal rights in numbers never seen before. The rejection of roles which have been dictated by tradition. The right to lead an independent life. Symptoms of a society that is cracking under the pressures for change. What was private is now public. What was condemned now strives for acceptance. The symptoms of society's breakdown erupt on a worldwide scale. We are living through one of the greatest revolutions in history. The birth of a new civilization. Collective protests shatter the structure of the old. Changes bombard our minds and bodies. We become confused, helpless, unable to cope. We all live in turbulence, often silent, personally. The result is the same, stress. Future Shock actually doesn't end on a sad note. It just confirms that the only thing that is constant is change. And that we need to think about what changes we make now will do to the future. Which, when I heard that, I was like, do we even think about that anymore? I don't know if we even plan for the future after 2020. That year was so shocking. I think we now feel like we can't really count on anything, so... We're just kind of stuck in this I hope things work out mentality. <laughs> At least I know I am. And things are getting better, so let's let's keep hoping they keep getting better. And we know they will still keep changing. The pressure of fast change forces us to question all we have been taught. Sometimes technology can destroy an underground nuclear explosion. Amchitka, when will the next nuclear blast occur? And what will it do to us? Escape from change in today's society becomes more and more impossible. Change is necessary, but change itself is out of control. That is the challenge posed by future shock. To look deeply and clearly into today's world. To understand the consequences that what we do today determines what tomorrow will be. Let's hear a bit more from Alvin Toffler, the author of the book that this documentary was based on. I really like his attitude about how we should not let technology control our lives. And we also shouldn't let it just progress so rapidly that none of us understand it. But look at where we are here in 2022. Did we let that happen? Maybe a little bit. But there's still time. We can still educate ourselves on technology and on what it can really do for us and maybe even on the dangers 
that it could bring us. The future need not be blindly accepted. Author Alvin Toffler finds this conviction spreading among young people throughout the world. If we can recognize that industrialism is not the only possible form of technological society, if we can begin to think more imaginatively about the future, then we can prevent future shock and we can use technology itself to build a decent, democratic, and humane society. Don't you think education should um, make people aware of the danger of technology instead of making them adapt more easily to any kind of progress and technology? Absolutely, absolutely. That, that we can no longer allow technology just to come roaring down at us. I think we must begin to say no to certain kinds of technology and to begin to control technological change because we've now reached the point at which the technology is so powerful and is so rapid that it could destroy us unless we control it. But what's most important is that we do not simply attempt to act, that we simply do not accept everything, that we begin to make uh, critical decisions about what kind of world we want and what kind of technology we want. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Realitiki. I hope you enjoyed it. And now, as promised, Drunken Outtakes by Orson Welles. One, two, take one. With overlap, action please. Action, Orson, please. Did you just do anything? No, it's a, sorry, cut. Yeah, really. 102, take two. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson, inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle, and like the best French champagne, it's vintage dated. So, Paul Masson. 102, take three. Action, please. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson, inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle, and like the best French champagne, it's vintage, dated. So Paul Masson's super.